Hello there. Welcome back to, and I cannot believe I am saying this, episode 50 of Star Wars in a galaxy watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I am King Katunka. And I am Thrall. <laughs> oh man, the real victim of this arc. Um, anyway. Uh, there, were, there were so many victims. In there this were so arc. many victims. Uh, anyway, There's just well, layers of victimhood. Welcome back to episode 50. We've been doing 50 episodes of Star Wars in a Galaxy, which blows both of our collective minds that we've been doing it for this long. We've now circumnavigated a pandemic while doing this thing. Um, thank God that both of us are now fully vaccinated and like doing in a Galaxy in person, not over Zoom, could actually be a possibility, which is crazy. Um, we are over, we are, um, digital today, though, um, and we watched, um, for this special 50th episode, this is still a routine episode of Star Wars in the Galaxy, we watched, um, what I'm calling the Night Sister arc of the Clone Wars, um, that is Night Sisters, Monster, and Witches of the Mist 3, in my opinion, very good episodes. Um, this, they're both, they're all very good, um, uh, These are some very interesting episodes, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, before we do that, but before we do that, we gotta talk about the Bad Batch, don't we? Uh, oh we my gosh, yeah, I guess we gotta do a little Bad Batch recap. three replacements. We both watched it. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about what we thought about episode three of the Bad Batch. Um, I'm glad to say that I see my predictions from uh, last episode uh, panning out quite a bit that... Um, the Bad Batch is becoming a little less predictable than it has been. Um, I'm very glad to see that. Um, uh, replacements, um, we follow Crosshair, um, leading a new squad of volunteer recruits, um, to Onderon to re-carry out the same mission that the Batch was assigned to in the first episode. Meanwhile, Omega and the Batch, um, have to battle an Ordo Moon Dragon, an Orlo Moon Dragon, I think it's called, um, on a desolate moon. I really like the crosshair portion. I mean, the the rest of the batch part that was very good. The crosshair part was fantastic. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what this means, not only for Crosshair but for the other uh, recruits in his squad for uh, the Empire, but especially now for the Kaminoans. Um, I was listening to Alex Damon on Star Wars Explained, and he was talking about the growing possibility of a Kaminoan revolt, which I would be so down with seeing. Um, it would, it would be, because it happened in Legends too. um, it would be such an interesting concept to bring into the Batch, uh, into the Bad Batch, and, um, I, I love this episode. I just gotta say I love this episode. I can't wait until we see Rex and Fennec Shand. Um, but I love this episode. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, I was uh, I was pretty positive about this episode. Definitely, um, definitely, I thought it was a a good continuation. Um, I I th I thought that the crosshair part, not necessarily predictable, but it didn't feel um like the the setup to me didn't feel too special. But I think that they definitely turned it into something very interesting and, and super I was not expecting it to be to be that hard hitting. It was it was very um 
that, that part was intense with the the execution. Oh my they, god! They're um, just they're turning up to eleven right now. They're not. There's not. They're not messing around like a Clone Wars season one or a Rebels season one. They're they're already ramping up this thing. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think. Um, yeah, and I think in that way it kind of falls right into its place, as some people are saying, as a a bit of a Clone Wars season eight. And I honestly feel that because tone wise. It doesn't feel like they're trying to set up their own show, you know, with the way that all the other shows kind of start off a little bit lighter, at least for the animated shows. But as you said, yeah, they're kind of jumping right in, getting to the uh, the, the nitty gritty meat and potatoes of it all. Um, I I thought um, I became more fond of Omega in this episode. I was a little bit mystified about like what um what what she's doing there. Why? why does she exist why why does she love these um why does she love the bad batch why is she attached to them but um you know i thought it was a really sweet arc for her this time um hit my feels but also uh it was, it was pretty cool to see her um kind of make friends with the uh the electric dragon creature um so yeah i, re I really uh i really like this episode um and i'm really notice? looking forward to seeing what's happening I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen next um, with this show this episode it, it felt it, it wasn't a cliffhanger per se but it definitely uh it definitely got my anticipation way up there as previous episodes had not did you notice the um shoot uh the sequel parallel in this episode too um in in cut and run there was the whole i've never seen this whole uh this much green the entire galaxy parallel with omega um, did you notice the other Ray parallel in this episode? The one in oh, no, this I didn't, episode. I didn't notice the Ray parallel then. Omega and the moon, the the dragon at the end, reminded me a lot of Ray and and the Vexus at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker. Um, yeah, I kind of yeah, I kind of I kind of see that you know kind of this malevolent creature, but then she find in both these cases the protagonist. I guess Ray and Omega, Ray Mega, you know, find a way to, um, you know, they find they find a way to um, make friends and 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 make amends. So yeah, I uh, yeah, it was. I um, I thought I thought that was pretty great. Uh yeah, I like that parallel and um. All right, Night Sisters. So. In this episode, we open on a Sage, a Sage, I just said a Sage Ventress. A Sage Ventress. <laughs> a Sage Ventress. Sag. It's going to be, it's going to be one of those days. A Sage Ventress is having an epic space battle with uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yes, Eventually, all their ships crash into this one hangar and Dooku um, get, gets a call from uh, his, his boy Sidious and Sidious says, Dooku, you, you you must eliminate Ventress. She is too powerful, and you know Dooku, he, he's a little bit reluctant, but uh, he know, he knows what's good for him. So uh, he um he orders his own ships to fire on Ventress's ship, and he believes that Ventress is killed. However, Ventress um manages to escape with her life, and kind of hijacks a pirate ship and takes that to Dathomir. Where which of course she meets up with the Night Sisters, and we get introduced to Mother Talzin. Mother Talzin heals. Um, event we find out a lot about Asajj Ventress's backstory, and Asajj becomes dead set on revenge for Dooku. So, 
they um she and uh, two night sister warriors um take an invisibility potion and attack dooku um they ambush him but uh dooku despite um being in his pajamas uh, still manages to uh drive off the attackers and is that where it ends? I can't remember. These episodes kind of blend it, it, together it, for me. It is, and you reminded me that this episode is where the skin in Battlefront 2 comes from. <laughs> yeah, exquisite pajamas. Exquisite pajamas. I remember Jamie and I, when I was, we were, I was downloading that update, and I was playing some Battlefront, and Jacob's like, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, Dooku has a skin, in, is a, a skin where he's in his pajamas. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, I mean, you can't. Yeah, exquisite pajamas. Don't don't knock it till you try it. They're no, no, do they're not knock it until you try it. Um, they're very exactly. comfortable. Uh, yeah. Uh, so our fortune cookie is the swiftest path to destruction is through vengeance. What do you think, man? Um, I think this is very true. Um. It rings true for that. We've had some questionable fortune cookies lately, but uh, this one, this one is is really good. Um, and it's applicable, I think, to Asajj's life in general, outside of just this episode, because now all she wants is to get revenge on Dooku. But as we see in this episode, that almost can that 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 consuming her, that her being consumed by revenge almost uh, destroys her and um, and and brings harm to the to the people around her. Um. And and uh, I guess not to get too many spoilers or to get too ahead of ourselves, but over the course of the Clone Wars, we really see that Asajj Ventress can only um, she can only save herself by letting go of trying to get revenge on Dooku and and starting fresh and letting go of the fact that he's still out there. Um, so I think that it's a that the vengeance theme is is very powerful in this and it really applies to a lot of um of ventress's story in the clone wars just in general um ventress tries to take revenge not once but twice on dooku this arc both times fail i mean they gotta fail because you know dooku has to be alive for revenge of the sith that's that's actually one of my main criticisms with this arc is that every time they do anything against dooku it just feels utterly meaningless because we know where Duke is going to be in Revenge of the Sith, and we know that you know Dewey has to exist. Yeah. So, so, you, so we kind of. I agree. I think, but I do think that even though, even though we know what happens, I still think it's, I still think the story, and these plot points have some value, oh, in terms of I... showing, um, in in terms of showing a. Uh, what happens to Ventress and her journey. But I think that I think that you touched on something very important, which is one of the central problems with Star Wars, a story that jump that has so many different mediums and so many different stories within it and that jumps around in time so much in terms of what's being put out when is if you already know the outcome of a character later on, how do you make a story compelling er- earlier that doesn't feel devalued? But I think yeah. this episode does a good job of that. I, I think, yeah, and another episode I was just thinking, there were other, um, an example of that I've often heard thrown around, which is a perfect example, is the Siege of Mandalore. You know exactly what's going on in the Siege of Mandalore. You know exactly where all the characters are going to be in about 20 years. 
Yeah. <laughs> but you still feel so much suspense in that arc. One of the things I love about this is how Ventress has everything until she doesn't in this episode. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that um, oftentimes she is, despite being the villain, she is kind of the underdog. You know, we, we always expect her to, to fail at the last possible second. She's one of those characters especially from the earlier, from the Clone Wars movie and from the earlier season, she's one of those characters who can really um, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory whenever the story demands it. <laughs> That's but I true, really, isn't it? I really felt like she was different in here. She was in, con- it felt like she was in control, you know, she was super confident. She, she was really effective, um, both in the, the hangar duel and the, uh, the preceding uh, starfighter battle. So I was... Um, it was really refreshing to see uh, to see Ventress in a in a, a bigger capacity um, because it felt it kind of felt um, even though we didn't see a ton of her really cutting loose and going all out it felt like it felt like the writers were finally able to um, kind of make make more use of her in her full capacity rather yeah. than just you know have her be a henchman. Uh, I definitely agree. That is one of actually my problems with Ventress's arc just in general in the Clone Wars is that I can't tell you she does anything significant until after she leaves the Separatists. But I think in a way that is good for her arc and that's I I would say that in a way that's almost emblematic of her arc. Um, and, And I think you hit the nail on the head. She doesn't do anything significant until she leaves. Yeah, she's a pawn. She she is totally a, a pawn of um of Dooku and of Sidious and of the Separatists, but she finds her own way, and in doing so, ends up impacting the galaxy in ways that aren't just predetermined and and plotted out by Sidious. Like when she um she helps free the the captive on the Corsite train. For example, or when she uh, works with Ahsoka, you know that's clearly it's not just predetermined. Um, so I think that it makes sense that her um, story doesn't have a ton of a uh, kind of relevance in terms of the overall events of the galaxy until later on in the context of her personal journey and what Lucasfilm is trying to tell with that. Yeah, I I I think I agree. I just I wish we got to. I wish we got to see Ventress as a threat at, on the Severus, just a little bit. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Let's talk about Dathomir, because it is the first time we ever see it. Um, let me ask you something. Yeah. How has this planet never been in a Star Wars movie? I think... It is It is sick. If we don't see Dathomir in the, the Acolyte, I will riot. Uh, I mean... The name alone, yeah, suggests Leslie Headland knows canon. She watches Star Wars Explains canon update. She could do this. Yeah, the name alone she, really she makes. She watches Star Wars video essays on YouTube. <laughs> I have video footage of that. She could do it. She's gonna do it. Um, no, but um, uh, no, but I want to talk about Talzin because Barbara Goodson, who is Talzin has one of the best voice performances in the entire series, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Um, she, along with, you know, Katie Lucas and Filoni and, um, you know, other Clone Wars writers like, um, you know, uh, Matt Megnavets and all those people, she, along with them, created that character from scratch. And, like, holy crap. Yeah, I loved the Night Sisters, especially Talzin. It was so create. There was it, it was so creative. Um, like the way when you know, obviously yeah. when Talzin speaks, you know, we hear like the. Yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. That deep rumbling voice that echoes. Yeah, one of my favorite. Just like things like that. I love how they emphasize the connection that um that the the Night Sisters have to the physical force and to like i mean obviously i think it we're supposed to understand that the night sister magic is some uh manifestation of the force but i love the way they show that the force can can not be just what the jedi and sith want it to be or how the or i guess not what they want it to be but it's not just how the jedi and sith perceive it but it it really um yeah it's just really creative and i i love it Despite everything that Mace Windu professes to say in Attack of the Clones, the Jedi and Sith use the Force in a both use the Force in a very militaristic way. They use it in a combative sense. The Night Sisters don't do that. They go with the dark side of the Force. But notice when Dooku comes to Dothamir in, I want to say it's. I think it's Monster. Um, I forget which one it is. It's either uh, Night Sister Monster. He immediately proposes an alliance of this Night Sisters and Separatists, and Talzin immediately shuts it down. Yeah. Immediately. I think that shows that they're just not interested in power because also like they don't want to they don't want to stray from Dathomir. You know, they're very very connected physically. Um, you know, to Dathomir. They're so connected and, to Dathomir that even after they die, they're there. Yeah, they're connected. To, they're so connected to the natural world. Yeah. That it that it kind of sets them apart I, a little bit. And I would even I, mean, I would you know you'll see the zombies in um, Fallen Order after all the Night Sisters have been wiped out. You'll see the Night Sister spirits on Dathomir in Star Wars Rebels after way after they've been wiped out. Yeah. So Ventress, she sets out then to um to to assassinate Dooku. What do what do you have to say about the the assassination attempt, if anything? I think it's interesting how they try to like catch Dooku off guard and get him at his weakest. Um and that kind of fails, but let's just say that it did made him did make him weaker. Like that he was in a bad position, which I think he was in a relatively bad position. I think they were hoping to get him in a worse position. Look how quickly and, like, and efficiently Dooku just absolutely wrecked all three of them. I, you gotta remember, this is, you gotta remember, this is one of the main takeaways I got from this arc in terms of, I guess, combat-wise. Dooku is beatable. We've seen Dooku be beaten before. Yoda and Anakin are the two I'm thinking of. But Dooku is extremely formidable as a combatant. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I think it just shows that maybe they were a little, uh, a little arrogant 
perhaps. Um, they they let revenge blind them, like the fortune cookie said. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I want to go yeah. back for one last thing. Um, in this episode, um, uh, and um, uh, and let's talk about that flashback because that flashback is fascinating. Oh my gosh! Um, oh yeah, we have to talk yeah, about the, the flashback. The, the flashback. Um, First of all, let me tell you something, okay? Um, I I don't understand um, why everyone talks about so about Ventress so great when she and Ky- we know we all know that she and Kyneric only trained for like a month. Eighteen years is a really funny way of saying a month. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, I had to get that out of the way. Anyway, so, yeah. Asajj's backstory, man. I, oh, it's it's tragic, really. I, I v- v- Ventress <laughs> is sold to a slave master. Um, he dies in a, an uprising. She's saved by a Jedi master named Kyneric. She shows she has the Force. They train for eighteen years, not a month. Um, and then, uh, and then he dies in a fight, and then she goes full dark side, and then Duke is like, "Hey, I, I want you as an apprentice." And, Ventress is like, yeah, sure. Um, Man, yeah. Ventress has had it rough. <laughs> Ventress has had it rough. Um, one of my favorite, I, one of my actually, I have a logistical problem with this. I think I probably mentioned this to you um, in a previous episode. We were having that two hundred fifty-two months talk thing. Mm. How were they not able to get a ship? Yeah, I mean. That's a that's one of those things where again, it's I mean, about I, I, I know why, you have to, yeah, how, to, like, but like seriously, how did they not get a ship for eighteen yeah. years? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a tragic story, and I understand, but like, yeah, um, I don't know, man. Rat attacks a crazy place. I guess they couldn't. Rat, uh, rat attacks a nuts place. Yeah, they couldn't get off, um, but um, but yeah, I mean. Everything that Asajj Ventress does now becomes more clear. Um, she's not coming out of nowhere um, with her uh, with her dark side uh, rage and hate kick. Like clearly, she she was basically abandoned by the Night Sisters. Who just said, "Okay, we'll trade you away as a baby." Bye bye. Her her uh, master was killed, and then Kyneric was killed, and then Count Dooku betrays her. She she has been through a lot um and that just makes her arc all the more tragic yeah to me at least at this point before you know maybe she doesn't ever maybe she doesn't fully redeem herself but she definitely um she definitely gets better she does um no i i like again ventress's arc from here on out is fascinating um and i love it uh and yeah I real I really like the setup this does for Ventress and her arc. Um, there's something else I was gonna mention. Um, yeah, the most fascinating part of this episode, at least for the future episodes, is Ventress says to Talz at the very end of the episode, "Um, I will see Count Dooku dead. I swear it." When a Star Wars character makes that kind of promise. You know they're going to try and do anything they can to cash in on that promise. Oh, 100%. We knew Ventress, we know Ventress from the get-go 
because we know what happens to Dooku in Revenge of the Sith, will fail. She's going to fail. Whatever she does next, she's going to fail. But Yeah, but um ultimately that failure is is gonna be better for her in the long run i think yeah but as like, a person yeah again it's it's it, uh, what i was gonna say was yeah it's gonna be it's not about what happens to dooku because we know what happens to dooku it's about what happens to ventress because yeah. she is going to make this kind of promise that she cannot fulfill because dooku has to survive um it's yeah. an interesting way of looking at the story and that's what i think ultimately that's what forces her to let go when she realizes that um maybe this promise can't be kept you know um yeah because i think all her life has kind of been about oaths you know like i'm gonna then end about revenge you know i have to get revenge um i have to get revenge for for kyneric i have to get revenge for being taken from the night sisters i have to get revenge and then she finally gets to a point where she can't have the revenge that she wants she simply can't get it because it's Dooku, and she just yeah. she just isn't able to to kill him, which is which is what so, she wants. So she um, has to go on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's why I say that it's ultimately a really good thing for her. Yeah. Because she ends up she ends up doing some good um for the galaxy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, before we um get on to the next part, I'd like to mention to you. How do the Night Sisters get into Dooku's bedroom? It's through an air vent. Oh, it's the damn vent again. <laughs> I find it hilarious. Anyway, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's an it's an air vent. It's Star Wars. What Star Wars going to be without without an air vent? You know. And I thought it was interesting that even though they went through the air vent, you know, they were still able to just walk in, pretty much. Um, and and stab yeah. Dooku with a poison dart. There there what one weakness in that fight. I think the fight would have might have turned out a little differently. I think they should have gotten closer to Dooku. No, yeah, Dooku. Um, I mean, obviously, Dooku's a master duelist, and that the Night Sisters aren't really trained in the lightsaber combat. Like, obviously, they have formidable experience. No, no what I mean is, like, before they shot the dart, like they should have gotten down on oh. the floor. So you're saying like, they should have just shot the dart and then immediately just stabbed him in the face or something? Or something like that, yeah. yeah. I think that would have been a little more successful. If he didn't manage to sense them by then, which is, of course, no guarantee, but, like, I don't know. Um, that's just my thought. But I think there was also, yeah, something to be said for... Dooku was able to keep them at bay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure... I'm not sure exactly went wrong, but I'm not sure exactly what went wrong, but this definitely shows the, again the dangers of uh, uh, being consumed by vengeance, as yeah, the uh, as the fortune cookie says. You know, not only does a uh, Asajj not only does Asajj herself die, but Ventra, but um, she puts two other Night Sisters, two of her kin, in a uh, in grave danger as well. Overall, this episode is very good. I love the setup. The setup, everything that this arc sets up is awesome. Um, that's that's the best thing I can say about this arc. Night Sisters is a setup. Monster is, like, I guess also a little bit of a setup. And Monster and Witches of the Mist 
or the payoff. It sets up some good things for the other episodes to pay off. That's all I can say about it. This was a this was a good episode. I thought I I liked it. It was really kind of heartbreaking to see what had happened to uh to to Ventress. Um, but yeah, um, it, it was uh it was it was harder hitting than I than I remembered. But um. Yeah, it, it really, it was a good lead up. It was a good lead in to the other episodes of this, and um, a lot happened in this episode. These are these are some really, these are some really action packed episodes. Absolutely, let's get on to monster, shall we? Let's monster. Let's let's do it. This is, look. If you thought that if if you thought that um that Night Sisters was a topsy turvy episode, monster is gonna blow you away. In monster. Um, Dooku, uh, is consulted by Mother Talzin, who's like, hey, do you want to do Apprentice? And Dooku's like, absolutely I do. Um, Talzin offers him, instead of a female this time, he offers her a male, um, from the Zabrak villages on Dathomir, um, much like the deceased Sith warrior Darth Maul. Notice I said deceased. <laughs> Because it's one of the last times I can say that. There is a Hunger Games bo- slash box-esque um, challenge held in the village. The f- final two are um, a young uh, Zabrak man named Feral and his brother Savage Opress. Um, Savage, in an act of compassion, spares his brother um, from being the um, object of the Night Sisters um, manipulations and uh, asks them to take him. So Savage Opress, who is later re- um, revealed to be the brother of Darth Maul, um, is taken to the Night Sisters. He's done crazy experiments on where he becomes this hulking, brutish monster. Um, Feral is brought before him and he kills his brother out of pure spite and anger. Um, he is then given to Dooku, who sends him on his very first mission to a temple on Deveron, where he um, commits what I call the Deveron Massacre, where he just carves through all of the Republic um, forces on Deveron and takes uh, the base for the Separatists, ending the episode. The fortune cookie is evil is not born, it is taught. That is, I, I absolutely I love, love. Yeah, yeah, this, I love this. I love, 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 love this fortune cookie. Um, I, I can't really hype it up enough. And it really applies to this episode in a very, uh, a very sad way where we see, um, we see Savage kind of against his will, um, get turned into a, a monster. One of the things that I was saying in this episode is always makes me wonder what would have happened to Savage if he was never corrupted by the Night Sister magic, because it seems like he's like he would be like a Zeb or a Wrecker. Mm. That's what it seems like he'd be, um, without all that hatred and pain in his life. Um, I'd be fascinated to know. Um, I also we um yeah we'll get to that later on actually um yeah I I really love this um no one is born to hate. 
It's why you hear about a fall to the dark side so often. Um, because nobody is born that way. They're taught that way. Anakin was manipulated to think that way by Palpatine. He was crafted into Darth Vader. He wasn't just Darth Vader from the beginning. He was Anakin. One of the things um, I love is there is a... Here's a little Easter egg. Um, the drink that um, Talzin offers Dooku is a drink called Black Root. Um, it's a drink from Lucasfilm property Willow. Um, according to the film directed by the future director of Solo, A Star Wars Story, Ron Howard. Um, Blackroot is supposed to put hair on a man's chest. Mm, very interesting. And I, yeah. I guess that can kind of relate to a Savage and how they, they turn him from a... He was already pretty uh, bulky, but they just turn him into they, an absolute unit in this episode. They, 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 they turn him from a man into a monster, is what happens. Yeah. They do, and not even a man though. Like the like if like I feel like they kind of hint at the age of these these dudes. Um, and the just the way they carry themselves, they seem like they are not that old. These these uh, Dathomirians. Um, they they know. seem like young men to me. They don't seem like adult adults. I don't know. It's hard to tell. They seem like adults to me, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dathomir in this episode, it's amazing. Again, the creativity with Dathomir um, and, and just the art and the visuals with it's Dathomir incredible. is incredible. Absolutely. Um, like the drink that the first time I watched that, that, that blew me away. <laughs> just the little details like that that make Dathomir such a cool planet. And I always love revisiting it. And as you said, it would be so cool to see it live action. Acolyte, please. Yeah. There are a bunch of pseudo fortune cookies in this episode. They're just quotes that people say. And I'm like, oh, that should have been the fortune cookie. Uh, even though I love this fortune cookie. Um, one of them is uh, Talzin says to um, says to Dooku, um, men are easy to acquire, hard to control. That was, that line in particular was funny to me because didn't just the last episode before that, didn't Mother Talzin say on the call with Dooku, um you had a you had a female last time they're hard to control why not try a male from our planet instead to be your assassin but i thought that was a little i thought that was a little um funny and i'm not i don't want to say it's an, an inconsistency but uh it's not an inconsistency i don't think i think to be completely honest talzin was probably talking a little bit more honestly with dooku on Dothamir than she was over the hologram. Yeah, I mean, she a probably in both. She probably just wanted to really market it to Dooku to sell him on the idea. And I can't help but feel that Dooku's pride, like if he hears, "Oh, they're hard to control." Oh, I'm a I'm a Sith Lord. I'm I'm Dooku. I'm Tyrannus. Yeah. I can do this. So I it was probably this. an appeal. It was it was probably also an appeal to his pride. I that think. that's probably true. As much as I dislike generally the character Savage Opress because I just dislike this plot line. Clancy Brown as Savage Opress is perfect. I couldn't see that role any other way. I couldn't see that role any other way. He knocks it out of the park every single time. One of the things I really find interesting is comparing this episode, comparing the Savage's transformation to the inhibitor chips because we see like, you know, Cody was a good guy before those inhibitor chips. Savage was a good guy before the transformation. The episode yeah. made it very clear 
that he was a good guy. He protected his brother. He made a selfless action. In this episode, pre-Devron Massacre, I would argue that every single thing Savage Press did was a light side action. Yeah, I think he really did what he did to uh to protect his brother. And I think that really yeah, that just goes to show that just goes to show the fortune cookie. Savage was not evil. None of these dudes are evil. They're just con- they 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 don't really have the power to stand up to the Night Sisters, so they have to go along with the madness um, of you know Asajj like taking someone. It, it it's the thing that the idea that the dark side takes and takes and takes. The and dark side like, takes and it and it transforms. Yeah, I love this like Hunger Game box esque um, competition. I will question something. Was this an actual test, or was this an exercise for Ventress to just beat a bunch of people up because she was angry? Probably a bit of both. I'm not gonna lie. Probably, um, prob- yeah, probably because some of each. If you want to find the best, the best guy, and you're already planning on doing some Night Sister magic to transform them later. Why are you putting them against Ventress? They'll all lose. Ventress asks later in the episode, "Where is it? Where are the warrior I warrior? Where are the warriors I came from? Is this all the power these men possess?" It's not really fair if you put them against a target that will beat them one hundred percent of the time or ninety nine percent of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think that she can still evaluate. She she she's still capable of evaluating, in terms of what uh what she is looking for. Yeah, so I'm not too worried, kind of yeah. about about that. You want to talk about the scene with Feral where, and like the Hulk Savage. And that that is just that is brutal to watch. Honestly, it is um, my favorite scene in the entire arc. Savage and for all is my favorite scene in the arc. Um, I think it it just it just shows because you know obviously, Savage he he loves for all so much, and at the end of the episode, well not the end I guess, but midway through, after he gets after he gets transformed, Asajj is just like okay, kill him, and he 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 kills, he kills his own brother who without mercy. Yeah, no mercy. Assumably days before. Assumably he days calls, before he was trying to protect him and save him. He called him a weakling. Yeah, I mean, and that and when that just shows how he was the one taking charge of protecting him. Yeah, it is a true, in my opinion, tragedy. Yeah, and I think that also the tragedy is that so as we can see, which is a mess. Even so, um. You still, you still have um, him kind of uh, breaking the spell a little bit against uh, against Ventress, and and still exercising a little bit of free will at one point. Um, and I think that just shows the tragedy of it is that he's still in there, despite that he's yeah. been transformed into a monster. He's still in there, and at the end of his life, you know, he kind of as the monster fades away and it just becomes him again. We really yeah. see that. And he says, I'm not strong. I'm not like you. And he talks 
like he he talks in the same voice with Maul that, that he is, did at the beginning. That that is my that's my one of my favorite. That's I think my favorite thing Savage Press ever says. Um, it's it's like a few simple sentences that you could summarize his entire arc. Yeah, brother, I am an unworthy apprentice. I'm yeah. not like you. I never was. And I think that it is definite. It is absolutely true that he is not like um he was never like, Darth Maul. despite Maul's also kind of tra like Maul obviously also had a bit of a tragic past and things weren't always but Maul made the worst choices yeah but of Maul, his own free will Maul through through whatever um through whatever happened in Maul was Maul was ultimately driven into embracing the dark side whereas Savage had it foisted upon him he was literally, he was literally forced into becoming a dark side killer. Maul is what would have happened with Ventress if she didn't let go. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Do you want to get to the Devon massacre? I think we, uh, we kind of have to. You know, it's a. Uh... Oh my! I know you love this sequence, and I adore the sequence too. This is terrifying. It is. It is absolutely terrifying. I mean, though. he just runs through the the crowd with that battle axe. He just runs through it. Like, it's a small detail, but one thing that really drove this home for me was how he he shattered the clone's armor. You could see shards of the clone armor flying out when he hit one of the clones. Yeah. It's just, oh my goodness. My what favorite hell, thing is know? is when Nox, who's the Padawan, who's the Twilight Padawan. He just runs towards Savage, and the next thing we see is just him getting thrown against the wall. Yeah. You don't fight unless you th you you think you have a sliver of a chance of getting of having as much strength as he has. Which spoiler, unless you're a top tier force wielder, you won't. You can't run at Savage Press. You got to do what Obi Wan and Anna can do. Which is just kind of bide their time against him, and hope he gets sloppy, which he does almost all of the time. In Witches of the Mist, um, Savage Oppress trains with Dooku, um, and taps into the dark side more in his training. Um, meanwhile, um, the clone commandos of Delta Squad bring back uh, the dead from the Deverin massacre to the temple. Um, Obi-Wan realizes the threat of Savage Opress um, and sets out with Anakin to Dathomir to learn more about Opress. Um, they go to the Knight Brothers who send them to... Um, damn it. Who send them to the Knight Sisters um meanwhile Dooku sends Savage to Toydaria to bring back alive King Katunko who if you remember in ambush uh resisted the influence of Dooku uh through the machinations of Grandmaster Yoda um everything comes to a head on Toydaria um Savage kills the king um he duels Anakin and um Obi-Wan but gets away um and then on a separatist dreadnought above Toydaria, uh, Ventress and Savage duel Dooku, 
um, until eventually Savage has decided he's had enough of being a pawn. Um, Dooku and Ventress duel down below. Anakin and Obi-Wan catch up to oppress a second time and duel him. Um, and everything ends with Ventress um, getting away in an escape pod, Anakin and Obi-Wan leaving, and Savage going back to Dothamir devastated until he learns from Mother Talzin that his brother, Darth Maul, has indeed... And I can't believe I'm saying this, survived his cutting in half on Naboo by Obi-Wan Kenobi 12 years earlier, um, and Savage sets out to find him. So much happens in this episode, and I think that's kind of this episode's biggest problem, actually. You think a little bit, you think a little bit too much happens? Yeah, I think a little bit too much happens in this episode. I yeah, think I can see I've that honestly. Subscribe to you. I think we this might be on pre-recorded episodes, but it might I might have told you about this before. Have I told you what an event episode is? Uh, what what do you think an event episode is? It's when they can't figure out a full idea to go in an episode, so they slap smash like three or four ideas in an episode and hope it'll work. You're basically saying this is an event episode because the story might not be as cohesive as it could be because it has to cover a set amount of events for and things to make sense. it's not about the cohesivity, sense. it's about the I I think the character development and the setups and the payoffs and the quiet moments when you have to do something like that get a little bit lost in the fray. Mm, yeah when you're constantly dashing from the thing to the thing like this episode does. I know this episode is revered by many. I think I have an unpopular opinion where I don't think it's, like, absolute god tier. Um, I think it's okay. My opinion of, of it's gotten better over the years, actually. Let's get to the fortune cookie. The path to evil may bring great power, but not loyalty. I, I mean, this, this is the perfect fortune cookie for this episode. Um... It's it's why the 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 dark side will never have a fleet coming out of hyperspace moment from Rise of Skywalker. It's never going to happen with the dark side because they don't have loyalty. The dark side, looking at you know, there's only so much Savage can take before he breaks the spell and he ends up turning onto Ventress. I mean, he gets just in that fight a little detail from that fight that I love. He gets thrown down by Dooku's lightning like six times in a row. Yeah, that that, that I think that's. <laughs> kind of a comical amount of times yeah, just to show com- how it's a, it's a comedic effect at this he's point. he's he's just being uh he's he's just being kind of um thrown around as asajj's pawn and he only realizes that too late that not even the yeah. night sisters really have his back which is interesting because then later on in the episode he ends up he he kind of ends up being the one going back to Dathomir. Even even though um so it, it's interesting. I'm Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I think the idea is that Dooku is that Savage has realized that he's been a pawn of Ventress, but he hasn't learned the lesson all the way. I think that's a little I think that's expecting a little too much of him. I want to talk about Delta Squad and the Clone Commandos, who are the Knights of Ren of this arc. <laughs> Because they do literally nothing. Okay, but let me ask you something. Did you think that that very first shot where they were kind of in the shadows and they were coming out of the, the and the four clones were right there next to each other, 
and they were coming out of the ship. Do you think that felt like a reference to the cover art for Clone Commandos? Because I, I certainly felt like it was. For, for what do you mean? For what? What do you mean? Yeah, uh, it's a video, the oh, Legends the, video game, oh, right? Oh, the Republic Commando. Oh yeah, Republic Commando. That's it. Yeah. I definitely think it was a nostalgia play for Republic Commando. The thing I like it, it just looks so similar to the cover art, you know, the way they're all right there together. Yeah. In the shadows. One of the things I had, one of the things I was a little um, skeptical about is if they really wanted to do a nostalgia play for Republic Commando, maybe have the Republic, maybe have the Clone Commandos. I don't know, actually do something. And it's not like they don't do it in the series at all. You know, there's that episode missing in action, um, where they have Gregor, who is a Clone Commando actually doing stuff um it's not hard um but yeah that's one of those things with the Ven episode where that i just felt like they i just felt like you know it was like oh can't is having clone commandos a good idea maybe maybe not are we gonna do it because it's cool absolutely what i love most about the tone of this episode at first What's the climate on Coruscant when they arrive? It's raining. It's raining. We never see it rain on Coruscant. Way darker. They mentioned Darth Maul several times this episode. Here's a logistical problem I have. How do they know that guy's name? I I think um. Oh yeah, I actually saw an internet forum discussion about this. Um, as I was kind of doing some prep for this. Um. Really? And, and I think that um, they're, uh, they knew about Maul because of um, the Nemoidians had been introduced to him or some of the Nemoidians over the hologram oh. in the Phantom Menace. And then after, of course, when they won the Battle of Naboo, they captured a bunch of the Nemoidian leadership, the Trade Federation leadership. So we can only assume that they interrogated them. And one of them was like, yeah, there's this crazy dude maul as honda would say a horny-headed maniac um and it's hard to disagree but but yeah i like I, the idea that they learned about him from the Nemoidians. that's good yeah it's it's pretty funny um and they definitely do pitch Nemoidians as the or at least they pitch these trade federation Nemoidians as the kind of people who would uh crack under interrogation <laughs> I, I like I like the way Obi Wan's just immediately like Maul, even though even in that whole even in the hologram, he doesn't you can even kinda, look like Maul. Even even in the hologram, you can kind of see that his skin, his skin is not the his tattoos aren't even the same color. It's that as Maul's. Meme. They're not they're not red. It's yeah. that butterfly meme. Obi Wan Savage Press is, is this, this Maul? Maul? Yes, it is. Is is it Maul? <laughs> so I mean, yeah. But I love the yeah. fact that Maul. Um, and and in the last episode too, with with Dooku and um, Mother Talzin, everyone puts this like legendary status on Maul, even though he kind of went out like a punk in that um. <laughs> yes, keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh my gosh! Oh, I've 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 awakened the the Maul. <laughs> he goes out no. like a punk. No, but like he goes out like a punk kind of. To, to obi-wan in as i wrote in my Menace. notes as i wrote in my note this may be a new threat yeah. or it may be a completely familiar threat that the fans brought back to life because he looked cool in one lightsaber duel on the other hand though on, i have to say <laughs> on the other hand 
he did kill Qui-Gon Jinn, who, you know, he was a renegade. He um he may not have been always uh on the good side of the Jedi Council, but he was still clearly held in high regard. By I'm a not lot sure of how old he was in canon. Um I can check. Do you know how old Qui-Gon was at the time of that fight in Legends? Uh fifty-five, maybe? He was sixty. Man, Liam Neeson did not look 60 in that. I he he looked maybe 50, I don't know. I don't even remember. It's been a while since I've watched The Phantom Menace. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm being honest. Point is, Maul, at least in Legends, I know this at least in Legends. In Legends, Maul was 21 at the time of that fight and Qui-Gon was 60. Man. And then you remember what happens like 5 minutes later. <laughs> he gets beat by like an 18-year-old. I'm assuming Obi-Wan's he's, around 18 at that age. He's, I think he's like 21, actually. Oh, 21. I think he's, yeah, that, that I think tracks. Yeah, I think he and Maul are the same age, but like, he gets beat by a Padawan. Um, a really strong Padawan, but a Padawan. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, um, let's talk about the Sith training, though. Oh my gosh, the Sith training. What a cool scene. Man, Dooku, Dooku should be a motivational speaker. It is only impossible <laughs> because impossible you have deemed, you it, have so. deemed it so. I want to be like a... Uh, oh my gosh. By the way, this is a parallel that many have pointed out, and I love this idea. Um, notice that Savage says, what you ask is impossible, and then Dooku says it's only impossible because you have deemed it so. Yoda lifts the X-Wing from the swamp. Yeah. I, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. It's the same thing. And Jedi, think... Sith. One thing they have in common, and believe me, I'm a Jedi partisan, but like, one thing that, that, that the Jedi and Sith have in common is that they, they both believe the only obstacle to your own success in the Force is yourself. But I think also that shows something about Yoda and Dooku's connection, you know, in canon, Yoda was Dooku's master. So I think in a way that's also possibly a theme between themes, perhaps. I'm not sure if that was on purpose or not, um, that they made. I'm not like, I'm not I, sure I, if the parallel that you pointed I, out was intentional, but I, I think that's cool I'm nonetheless. I'm pretty sure it is. I think I've heard something about like it was intentional, actually. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise that me. Um, that would not yeah. surprise me. Um, yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about the Sith training is Dooku causing pain to Savage Opress in order to get him to lift the spires. It's the Sith way. It's the Sith way. We should get more of the Sith way, but it's the Sith way. Here's something I, I love from this episode. I love that they brought Katunko back. I'm really sad that they killed him. Yeah, I, I love Katunko, man. I love the Toydarians. Yeah. I'm sad that we didn't get to see more of them. I was really appreciating today the creativity of the Clone Wars. Like, the fact that the Toydarians' ship didn't have a ramp because the Toydarians could fly, so they, they just made the the doorway to the ship be a hole right in the bottom. That's actually really good. Like, um, there are just so I many things like reached... that that make me love the Clone Wars. I love that they reached all the way back to Season 1. They're like, who could... Dooku have a grievance with that he'd send survived after. I love that they went for Katunko um, uh, and wrapped up that storyline 
Um, here's something I want to ask you about. This is not a logistical problem. It's it's more of a general question for you. Why does Savage Opress forget that Dooku told him to bring bring Katunko back alive? I think he just kind of gets caught up, and his uh his murderous instincts that were given to him by the night sister transformation, you know, they just get the best of him. Um, they made, they made him to be a beast. They didn't make him to yeah. be like a, 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 a smart special ops person. They, they, they made him as a, they very intentionally made him a blunt instrument. Here's another um, pseudo fortune cookie that I got during that fight uh, between Savage and, Actually, right before Savage and Ventress and Dooku duel. A failed apprentice makes for a foolish master. I, um... That's an interesting... Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, A bit pessimistic. Um, You know, I think you that... Know, um, you know where I'd go with this one, right? Where'd you go? slap poster this bad boy has so much <laughs> symbolism in it <laughs> yeah that was funny because you you thought of the last jedi judging by the slap and the, the poster i thought of rebels and I, I i immediately thought of kanan's insecurities um both in terms of uh his his guilt feeling of survivor's guilt that um yeah he ran when depa told him to run and his insecurities in terms of his abilities to teach ezra and how those are tied together so hey yeah but another theme yeah. between themes <laughs> absolutely and um and by, by the way my idea is that luke as a product of luke's apprenticeship to yoda being cut short both by luke and uh, both by luke himself when he goes to face vader and empire strikes back and by yoda by dying um in return of the jedi that luke wasn't an adequate master to ben when he needed to be but um uh, anyway, uh, so you want to get to this this fight, the, the fight between um, Dooku, Savage, and Ventress? Oh, absolutely! It is a it is a great fight. Um, it is. Yeah, he um he doesn't really do much, Savage, when he's on Ventress's side. He runs around a little bit, takes some wild swings, and uh, and 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 gets a lot of sith lightning thrown at him yeah but um it, it, so go ahead it shows that the night sisters plan was really good the execution of the plan was god awful it was just bad they didn't really have like time working for them and so they just couldn't make it work you know what i mean yeah Um, but I mean, yeah, this was a, uh, a crazy fight. Um, the fact that Ventress comes back so quickly, uh, in my mind, this part had, was a lot, a lot further removed in time from Dooku taking Savage as, a, as his apprentice. But I guess in reality in in the way it pans out um there really isn't much time at all between these episodes where he he actually barely gets to gets to tutelage savage at all 
before before Savage uh, goes rogue and says, yeah, actually, uh, says screw you to both of them. I was about to say, Savage has like no training in these episodes and yet he's putting up formidable fights against like Ventress. I mean, what a Mary Sue, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I think <laughs> I think that it's not necessarily the fact that he is an equal fighter or even close because I don't think he is in terms of his no, skill. He isn't. But just I'm, again, I'm mostly joking. Yeah. As they, I I know, but I'm I'm connecting this to yeah. something that I was gonna say anyway. Um, Sorry. No, no, no worries, no worries. But like, I was gonna say anyway. Like, it it shows it tracks with what they were saying about like, oh, his raw power. He's such a like. They, yeah. they keep coming back to that. Like, oh, the raw power. What a beast. Raw, what a unit. Yeah. yeah. This guy's a unit. Like. My- Sometimes that, like, oftentimes he gets uh, put down by the force lightning, but sometimes that comes through. You know, he he absolutely slams um, Duke. He, he slams Duke. He slams Obi Wan Anakin, and he slams Ventress. There's no, there's yeah. there is slamming yeah. to go around in this episode. One of the thing I, one of the things I loved is when Talzin in Monster promised Duke an apprentice of immense skill. She kind of failed on that part. I mean, skill, talent. I'd say he has. They give him a lot of raw talent, but yeah, not not a I don't ton think, of I skill. I don't think they do. I think they. I I think they. I mean, I would equate talent and skill the same thing. I'd say they give him a lot of raw strength and a lot of raw power, but they do really bad on the skill and the refinement and the technique, like Dooku in in um in which is in the beginning of the episode calls him says he is sloppy and he has no technique um and luke in the mandalorian says at the very end talent without training is nothing um and we see that with savage because he gets slammed to the ground like seven times by dooku's lightning yeah um yeah i'm going to keep the end of this episode short with my analysis i'll just say this okay and the Oscar for worst story decision in the Clone Wars goes to bringing back Darth Maul. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Yeah, um, I I'm didn't gonna, really I'm, mind. I'm, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah. I didn't mind the that. hint at Maul returning that much, to be honest, for myself. That being said, I, it definitely left me wanting more. Um. And I, I'm not sure this is something that gets returned to until season four, correct? It doesn't. It, yeah. it That's the only good thing about this arc, in my opinion, is that it promises the return of Darth Maul, which is already something I'm not very positive on, but it gives us time before it gets to there. It feels like every season from season three on, we have the man. It, it's it's like it, it becomes a tradition yeah, almost. I was we got the mandatory Mandalore arc and the mandatory maul savage night sisters arc and eventually those two merge and become yeah. the mandatory maul mandalore arc and there's and often much... also some um there there's often also some mandatory like force related arcs starting in like season three with mortis and then we get some stuff in season four with like orphney like a random um, a random uh not random sorry a uh, a mandatory kind of mystical arc. mysticism arc. yeah a mandatory mysticism season arc. four stuff with orphney season five stuff no. with the like the gathering and then the season six stuff with the season six we just get it piled on with both the bardotten stuff and the yoda stuff at the end of the season how do you rank these episodes buddy 
I would have a really, I have a really hard time ranking them in my mind because they feel like they're all part of one big episode just because of the way each one packs in so much. But I'm going to say number one, Witches of the Mist, number two, Monster, and number three, Night Sisters. But all these episodes are still very good, I think. I, li- I, I quite like them. Take your list, move Witches to the Mist, which, Witches of the Mist to the bottom, and you have my list. Monster, Night Sisters, Witches of the Mist. Oh. Um, I think all three are great. Um, I Actually, I think Witches of the Mist is very good. I think Night Sisters is great, and I think Monster is on another level. To be completely honest yeah um uh yeah i i i adored this arc um yeah um let's get to everyone's favorite part of star wars in a galaxy you love it i love it everyone loves it what you've brought me to die is worth one quarter portion that is right and today we have some opinions. Star correct? Wars opinions. Star Wars yeah. opinions. Now, I tease Jacob. I have a very long one here that I've been meaning to do for a while on Star Wars opinions. Um, that I'm very excited to do. So we only have one each. All right. Um, Jacob, ask yours first. Are you, are you want me? Okay, I'll go first. Yeah. Um. Okay. This is an interesting one. I think it, it connects a little bit to... Uh... It centers back on last week's recording. Um, of heroes on both yeah. sides and pursuit of peace and senate murders of all the governments we know about in star wars for example the chiss ascendancy the old republic the republic the new republic the separatists the empire legends or canon what both whatever you oh, want okay whatever you want okay which government is the best and why the government that's the best i would probably say is the new republic from legends and that's kind of my problem with it, honestly, is that it's kind of a little too good in Legends. Pre, like, Yuuzhan Vong War, like, from Return the events of Return of the Jedi to, like, mid-Yuuzhan Vong War when that shit gets disbanded, so that's, like, 20 years or something like that, it's almost a little too good. I mean, there are threats, but, like, there are threats to the galaxy, but, like, the New Republic in, of that era is almost just like too good at its job is what I got out of that era. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say this is hard because um, they're all they're all quite flawed, but I honestly think the Chiss Ascendancy, because I think the downfall of all these, these governments, the Empire, the Republic especially, is that they try to unify the entire galaxy under one government. And that's just, is that even possible? I mean, some would say yes, but... I'm, I'm honestly, I mean, it's possible. Is it? Is, is it possible it to do idea? it democ? Is it possible to do it in an egalitarian way? Because that's yeah, what, that's the thing. Yeah, because the republic kind of all of them do it. It's just the question of how good it, all of them yeah. are at doing it. The republic tries to be democratic. I think it ends up by the time of the Phantom Menace, kind of failing. It's a kind of it's both a highly flawed democracy, and also sort of a failed state in many senses. Um, yeah, in, at least in the outer rim. The Empire, on the other hand, they've got quite a tight grip on on most things. Um, Outer Rim, maybe not so much, but still more so than the Republic. But they've yeah. completely abandoned democracy to do that. But I like the Chiss yeah. Ascendancy because they they don't they don't try and get too ambitious. They're like, this is with this is our mandate, and we're gonna we're gonna take care of our mandate. Have you been reading um, the Ascendancy trilogy? I have been reading the Ascendancy trilogy. Yeah, I no spoilers, but 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm working there slowly. So Jacob and I have now picked Star Wars movies. And our goal for those, I'm very excited. This is an idea I've had for like a month now. We're going to make fortune cookies for the movies. Ooh. Oh, yeah. wow. So oh, Jacob and I have drafted six Star Wars movies each to do them for. Um, we'll start in the timeline with Phantom Menace, which I am doing. I'm going to paraphrase Shmi Skywalker for my fortune cookies. The biggest problems in the universe are sol- solved when people help one another. Mm, that's a good fortune one. Cookie for a I really thought you were going to go with the, uh, we can't stop change any more than we can stop the suns from setting. That's also good. That's also but, good. Yeah. One. I like that. Um, it's the clone, so, the Attack of the Clones. So Jacob drafted Attack of the Clones. Mm. Yeah. This is, this is an interesting one. I might go with um, accumulating power. Is a dangerous way to grieve. Interesting. I like it. Because I'm talking about, you know, Anakin. Yeah. Shmi, the yeah. graveyard I, I, scene. I, I yeah. I appreciate that. I like I'm proud um, of that one. Next oh, in the timeline is the Clone Wars movie, which is me. And and it's the least memorable one for me. It's um, you're right. It's I'm not gonna go with, memorable. Yeah, I'm gonna go with um oh I do like parts of it. Um I, I'm gonna go with being capable is not a goal. Being capable is a choice. Hmm. All right. It's, I like it's it. It's about like where how like Anakin and Ahsoka specifically have to believe in themselves rather than you know their that line. I I I'm worried I'm too young to be your apprentice. Ahsoka is ready to be Anakin's apprentice when she realizes that. She has it in her to be Anakin's apprentice, basically. We're getting to Revenge of the Sith, oh, which man. is also Jacob. This is this is hard. Um because I feel like there's so much. Um man. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith is is it's hard because it, You could literally mm, do anything I know. for this one. I'm I'm trying to think. Um Ooh, okay. Um mm, uh, when you sacrifice when you sacrifice your morals to preserve what you love, you sacrifice that what you love. Does that make sense? Interesting. Yeah. Um, what I think I'll do is I'm I'm gonna try and like make them with the Clone Wars imagery and post them on Twitter. Um, All right. I'll make them more streamlined from what yeah. we both said. I'm, I'm trying to We're both half I, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of how to make that one a little bit, a little bit yeah. cleaner. Um, Let's get to Solo, a Star Wars story, ooh. which is me. Um, Solo, you are the protagonist of your own story. Oh. It sounds obvious. I like. I like that entire, one. I like it when the entire movie is characters around. Han trying to convince him that he is the good guy. There's that line, you know, I might be the only person who knows who you are. You're the good guy, which, um, Kira. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with that one. I'm trying to. Th- I'm um, keep. I keep thinking about the Revenge of the Sith one. I'm trying to figure out how to streamline it. Be um. When while you figure that out, we'll go to Rogue One, which is you. You're gonna have a th- string of three in a row. Oh wow. So, okay. Rogue, Rogue One. One um, Star Wars story. Maybe this is a little too literal, but uh, I would just say like one selfless, it takes but one or one selfless act can fill a galaxy with hope. 
I like it. I really like it. That's great. Yeah. Let's that, go that on to clean. the original Star Wars: A New Home. This is hard because the new that was exactly what I was going to. Uh, that was. I feel like that could ex- that that exact thing could be done for A New Hope. Um, when many voices rise as one, the song and the song of freedom can. The song of freedom can drown out tyranny. That almost sounds like one for the rise of Skywalker. I know. Damn it! I oh right because um, when many yeah when many voices yeah when when many there are voices more of us, po. anyway when many when, when many voices one rise as one, the song of freedom can drown out even the loudest drumbeat of tyranny, or something, or something like, like that. You anyway. can Let's go we'll to stream on it later, back. but I like that Empire Strikes Back. Man, this one it, there's so many different angles. Um, keep your friends close and your enemies far far away. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a. I like it. They they go goofy sometimes. No, wait, no, 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 no. I, I didn't think of the real one. Sorry, that, that was, I, they would never put that on a fortune cookie. I mean, they would go, they? who's more foolish, the fool of or the fool who follows yeah. them on, um, nomad droids. So, anyway, I I, we'll I'll, come back to that. Let's one. go on. I like the keep your go. keep your enemies far, far away. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Return uh, of the we're Jedi. Going to Return oh, that's of the yours, Jedi, that's which yours. is me, because Jacob allowed me to have my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, I'm gonna go with the simple "No one is beyond redemption." Yeah, that's that. It's beautiful. And then for uh, the Force Awakens, let's go to the Force Awakens, which is Jacob. Ooh, man, I I just realized I got I get all the I got all like the hope movies. I got Rogue One. I got <laughs> um Episode Four, and I get Episode Seven. So, mm. no accident of blood or birth. Is more powerful than your own than one than your own choices in determining who you are. Are you kidding me? That was like. Oh, was that? Oh, sorry. Mind. Was that really close to what you're? My kind do? of like my rise of Skywalker oh, one. Yeah. God dang it. I was thinking anyway, of Ray and Finn. Um, no, I guess yeah. So, um, Last Jedi, um, I'm is me. Last Jedi and Rise are both me. Um, for Last Jedi, I'm gonna go with. I originally had that line from the Clone Wars movie, "Old Sins Cast Long Shadows." Um, but I'm going to go with the more subtle, to respect one's future, one must acknowledge, uh, to, to respect the future, one must acknowledge the past. Yeah, I like um, that. The Rise of Skywalker one, um, will stream your your Force Awakens one, maybe lo- make it a little different, because who you choose to be is more important than who others say you are. Mm, I like That's that. That's what I'm going with. I like that. Um... Who you choose to be is more important than others say you are. Um, so that's our one quarter portion. Before we end this episode, we want to make some acknowledgments because it's our 50th episode. We got a message from fellow Star Wars podcaster, um, fellow uh, former guest on this podcast, DeVore from Allergy the Force. Um, thank you so much to DeVore for sending us a message in. Hey, Jacob and Eli, this is DeVore from A Larger View of the Force, a Star Wars podcast, and I wanted to send you something for the occasion of your 50th episode. I've got a special guest with me joining me here to mark this important milestone. That's right. I have got none other than the maker himself, Mr. George Lucas. George, how you doing? Uh... Doing pretty well, you know, just uh, enjoying uh, retirement with uh, Melody. Uh, yeah, it's pretty great. You know, it's really good to hear. So, what would you like to say to uh, to Jacob and Eli? 
you know, this is their 50th episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Do you have any any message for them? Any well wishes? Yeah, um, just wanted to uh, congratulate you on this. Uh, it's uh, pretty incredible, you know. Uh, when I uh, when, when when I released Star Wars, I uh, never could have imagined that uh, anything like this could have happened. So um, I'm uh, thankful to you and uh, all the other fans who uh, love Star Wars. Um, yeah. You know, it's pretty great. Uh, you know, good for you. There was one other thing you wanted to tell them, George, right? It was the thing you and I were talking about just before I hit record? Oh, all right. Um, so, uh, I know that uh, you and uh, Davor... Oh, it's it's Davor, George. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, you and, uh, and Davor have had a, uh, a, a disagreement about... Uh, about some things, um, so I thought I could, uh, you know, clarify things a little bit, um, yeah, um, it is, uh, when I, when I made Attack of the Clones, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was always Zam Wiesel, yeah, um, that's, that's, that's what I had in mind, um, very surprised to learn that, um, other people say it differently, but, um, yeah, just wanted to, uh, say that, you know, Put that out on the record. That uh, yeah, it's Wazel. Uh, also, it's pronounced Hoth. Okay, George, that's that's good. Thank you. So um, yeah, uh, there we go. We have got that controversy finally put to bed. None other than the maker himself. So um, yeah, uh, you know, congrats, you guys, on fifty episodes, and it's been great getting to know you guys and to. Uh, be on your show. Um, you guys were the first guest spot I've ever done, so I am super, super grateful for that, and I look forward to getting to hear and see all of the things that you guys produce in the next 50 episodes and in all the episodes beyond that. So uh, once again, congrats. Thanks to DeVore for such a great message. I'll just say this. Take that force toast. You got real Ashley Eckstein. We got fake George Lucas. I mean, so much better. Um, I would also, uh, yeah, so as, as we as previously established with pretty much everyone but DeVore, um, it is Zam Wessel. Um, wait, wait, but, not anymore. George Lucas says it's Zam Wessel. Yes, George Fucus. <laughs> he also says it's Hoth, so that, that calls into question a, uh, a great many things. That's, That's canon. canon now. That's canon. It's That's Hoth. Canon. Um, yeah, uh, thank you so much to DeVore for that incredible message um uh we'll leave a link to his show down in the description if you haven't already checked it out um final thing before we end this episode i thought jacob we could talk about three of the best things we have done on star wars in a galaxy in the first 50 episodes yeah i have my my three i'll start i guess and then you'll do number three the star wars ap exam Doing that with you and doing the the that um the crazy like hour of that was <laughs> awesome. Number three. Number two, Star Wars in a Galaxy and Project Stardust. Um our episode with Project Stardust was incredible. Uh it was something beyond what I had thought it could be. It was it was it was just incredible. It was so um, much fun. 
It was so much fun. And and number one, Star Wars in a Galaxy, the Clone Wars bracket. Okay, that was... And Rebels, but specifically the Clone Wars, because that was when we were figuring all that stuff out. That was with um, Andrew from Out of Rim Reads, with Alberto from Radio Rebellion, with Connor from the Nerd Academy podcast, and Pris from Fanatic Media. That was incredible. We had such a fun time. Both ones, but I specifically remember the Clone Wars one being just phenomenal. Um, so yeah. much fun. So many hot takes. So many hot takes. Uh, takes hotter than the coffee, even. Man, uh, I can't even order these, but just all our guests that we've been able to have on In a Galaxy, it has been so much fun. And I never even imagined, um, I never even imagined that we would be that we would be collaborating with other people and and recording and and chatting and making episodes. Um, so I want to thank you, Eli, for pushing us to do that because I, I never I never even considered the possibilities. Um, but yeah, um, every, everyone who's come on the show, uh, Devor, um, Nessa, having having her on the show was fantastic. I love the hearing about her amazing passion for the clones. For Dem clones. Dem clones, yes. And of course, having Meg Dowell on the show twice. I can Three say times. that, right? Three times. Oh yeah, because of now I'm lost today. Start. Three times. It's been it's been absolutely incredible to collaborate with her, get to hear um get to hear from her. Uh she was also the first guest we ever had on. So thank you, Meg. And I think that's going to be it for this episode of Star Wars and a Galaxy watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Thank you so much for listening in for 50 episodes. Next episode is going to be when DeVore talked about, and I'm so glad he said this, looking forward to the future of Star Wars and a Galaxy. The future is now. Why? Because next week I am beginning the newest miniseries coming out of Star Wars and a Galaxy called... A theme between themes. Myself, Alden Diaz, and Tori Fox will be going over three episodes of Star Wars television within this theme that they have decided to be found family. We are going to be doing The Sin from The Mandalorian, Cut and Run from The Bad Batch, and Family Reunion and Farewell Part 2 from Rebels. Um... It is going to be such a fun time. Um, it, that it's going to be that, and then Jago and I are going to get back to normal Star Wars in a Galaxy like we do. Um, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We will be there. You can check us out on YouTube, Star Wars in a Galaxy. You can email us with all your questions and hot takes and. Uh, six degrees if you have them uh, at galaxy at gmail.com um, and I think that's it until next time may the force be with you now and always <laughs>